Welcome to the Holistic Health Podcast. I'm your host, Susan Scollin, and each week I interview everyday people who have transformed their health and the amazing souls supporting them on their journey. Be inspired. Today I'm speaking with April Gaines. April is a professional mental health and substance abuse counsellor, a certified advanced alcohol and addictions counsellor through McBAP of Michigan. April has gained a total of 18 different degrees and certificates in the mental health Um, substance abuse, healing, and spiritual domains. A few of these certifications include being a two times over Reiki Energy Healing Master, Animas Das Energy Healer, a certified hypnotherapist, and a certified auricular acupuncturist and a clairvoyant psychic medium. April has made it her mission in life to help as many people as she can to develop permanent self-esteem and inner peace through awareness. Teaching people as they have innate worth, value, and purpose in this life. April has the gift of being a psychic medium where she gets the privilege to heal many souls, guide people in their life, and connect them to loved ones on on the other side. Everything she does is intended to heal and spread love and light in the world. April recently decided to move her career online by creating mental health and spiritual courses open to the public, followed by serving on several spiritual panels as a speaker alongside speaking on webinars, masterminds, and podcasts, all with the intent to heal as many souls as she can in one lifetime. I met April through a mental health summit we did together. Her message truly resonated with me and inspired me, and I knew this would be amazing for so many of you here. One point she raised in the summit that we didn't talk about in this podcast episode, because there was so much else to dive into, was that we you know, we don't ask somebody with diabetes to just get over it like we can do with mental health. I know April is truly going to change the world with the gifts she's bringing, so enjoy diving into this episode. April and I would love to know what resonated with you in this episode. So after listening, be sure to head over to Susan Scollin on Instagram or Facebook and share your key takeaways. Welcome, April, to my Holistic Health Podcast. I'm very excited to have this conversation with you. So thank you for spending this time with me. Thank you. So tell us what a day looks like in your life. How, what is happening for you in the world at the moment? Um, well, it's a little bit different um, now because of the whole COVID thing. Um, before COVID, my life was super crazy. My life's still crazy, but it would be super crazy where I would get up at six in the morning. And by the time 720 had come, I had gotten myself and five, six kids off to school. Um, by seven in the morning because I have my two children here at home and I have, um, uh, sorry. So I would, um, I have grandkids that just ran into my house. I have, um, so my grandkids go to school from my house. So my house is like the central hub. Like not all of my children live in my town, but they all use my house to send their kids to school. So before COVID, um, I would get me and six kids off to school by 7.20 in the morning, go to work, and I work as a professional mental health and substance abuse counselor for my day job. That's what I do. Um, And then get off of work, come home, and do kids and dinner and dance and homework and 
Um, and then always on the side, what I've done always on the side is I've had this uh, little side business um, that I called uh, Soul Essentials Healing. I actually named that business like 20 years ago where I did uh, psychic medium readings because I've always been trained um, in uh, Reiki healing. I've been a Reiki healer for over 20 years and Mm -hmm. I discovered that I was a psychic medium. It isn't something that I like, I knew that I was doing my whole life. I discovered that's what I was doing. Um, so I started, uh, about 21 years ago, I started doing that on the side after my day job and after kids and everything. Um, so that's kind of what my, <laughs> that's what a day looks like now that COVID's here. I still do the same thing. I still get, uh, up early at six. I still send three kids off to school in the morning. Um, right now, uh, three grandkids try to just bombard me because they got off the bus and I was, and they're very hyper little. These little grandkids are very hyper. So it's still kind of my life. Uh, I still work doing substance abuse, mental health, and I still am doing the healing on the side. So my life's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's beautiful that, you know, that your home is the hub. I really do like that. It's kind of, it is. I have, um, I have 12 grandkids. I have seven biological grandkids I have six I have five girls myself and then I had to take on my niece because my brother actually died so I have seven biological grandkids and then I have a great niece and nephew that think I'm their grandma and then I have three step grandchildren so I I have 12 all together it's beautiful and I'm sorry to hear about your brother that's not that's no fun so I, you have an incredible journey and I'd really love to tick, go back and have a look at that journey. But before we dive into it, you have an important message that you want to share with the world um, that came up pre-COVID. Um, are you able to share that with us? And, and this is like your mission that you're working on, isn't it? Yeah. So what I found was, um, you know, being a counsellor, I found that I was teaching the same thing over and over to all people, regardless of race or religion or the color of your skin or your age. Because I've worked with teenagers all the way up to my oldest client, um, 65 years old. And it's the same fundamental issue of not being good enough not being worthy. It's the same fundamental issue that somewhere along the lines, I'm not good enough. And that is my core mission is to teach everybody that you have innate worth. Period. There's no ifs, there's no ands, there's no buts, there's no because, there's no uh, um, if you would just do this or if you just had this, you have innate worth, period. Mm -hmm. And that is my sole mission. My, my mission is to, I, if I could just give everybody that, if you could just learn that, then it's the foundation of, it kind of feeds everything else. So if I believe that I have innate work, no matter what I do, then that can flower and that can spread and that can grow. 
into all other areas of your life. And it creates this um, self-forgiveness and self-love, right? Not just for you, but for everybody else in the world. So that's the foundation of it. Yeah, and everybody needs to know that and be reminded. And I remember you saying to me that it... Like you said, it's it's everybody and it doesn't matter about age or what position you are because you work with lots of different people in in a range of positions, even up to doctors, that sort of stuff. So it's it's the everyday person who is just struggling with their mental health, but then there are doctors that come into you as well. Um, And so it doesn't matter how much money you have, everybody has this innate challenge. Yes, yes. And I, um, you know, even today, within one day, um, I have a client that um, is a is is a PA, it's a phys- physician assistant, and then on the other end of the spectrum, I have a person who was describing to me um, very intimately. I come from the streets, mm-hmm. and my theory is it doesn't matter to me where you come from; you still have this innate worth. It doesn't matter. So, yeah, I work with, um, I have to tell you, it's interesting. The only people I have not worked with so far, it's very interesting as to why this is, um, are judges. Hmm. I have worked with police officers, POs, um, doctors, veterinarians, pharmacists, eye doctors, anesthesiologists. uh, Judges are the only ones that I have not had yet. I find that very interesting as to, I wonder why. <laughs> you would think that they're stressed. You would think they're stressed, right? That they have a tremendous amount of pressure. Um, but for some reason, those are the only ones I haven't had yet. And I've been doing this like 14 years now mm-hmm. in my profession. So, yeah, it's interesting. It would be interesting. And it'd be interesting to cross-check that um, from a previous role that I had because um, government the judges are government employees here in Australia as I understand Mm -hmm. it, Um, and so therefore they get certain entitlements and they wanted those entitlements. Like they made sure they got those entitlements to the right to the nth degree. Um, So whether that... Whether that they do here too. Their, yeah. yeah, whether that speaks to their I am enough and I'm going to keep working and I deserve this or whether that's just a facade that sits over the top of it. Yeah, I don't know. It's very interesting though. I have found that kind of like in the back of my mind interesting that that is the one area I haven't because I've even had lawyers, I've had probation officers, mm-hmm. um, but not judges. So it's very interesting that. So, um, but that is what I do uh, as my day job, and I do love it. I absolutely love my day job. Um, but I had, did find a common a theme that I was teaching the same things I was teaching about uh, controlling, learning to control your thoughts, um, controlling anxiety, self-esteem. That is across the board, across the planet, mm-hmm. self-esteem is an issue across the planet. Um, and I, you know, just teaching. So I, what happened was, is the last couple of years before COVID, I kept getting this kind of feeling, this sense, like, you know what, you should be doing more. You should be reaching more people. Um, I had no idea. I don't, I didn't know what that meant or, you know, what. Um, and then just before COVID happened, I thought, you know what, I'm going to figure out how to go and speak about this for a living. That's what I'm going to do. And then COVID hit. 
and then Facebook exploded. So that's what's kind of that's kind of where I'm at right now is figuring out, um, you know, how to position that talk that in a you know in a way that can reach everybody, and then getting that message out. So, and I think that's how uh, you and I met is because I was yeah yeah doing yeah. that talk, and you caught it. Yeah, so, I loved it, and I shared it with as many people as I could. <laughs> Thank you. It's been very <laughs> yeah. cool. And we will touch on a couple of things that came out of that talk today. But can you take us back on your journey then? Because you said to me last time that when we had our pre-chat that it's not a straight line, but it may appear like a straight line to me. Um, but it's been interwoven with an amazing, just an amazing journey. Um, and I think it's important for people to see that like I said, it's not a straight line. It's a let's find this and let's do this. And there was a need because you had two girls at that point that you needed to raise. Um, so you needed to, you know, support them yeah. and then make changes for them um, that were really going to support them long term. So what happened was um, I was actually, I come from two families where there was a lot of dysfunction. The dysfunction was different in each family. So like my dad's family, um, there was a lot of anger. Um, they had a little bit of a higher, they claimed they didn't, but they had a little bit of a higher social status. Um, they had a little bit more money for back in the day, back in the 50s, 60s. Um, but there was still a lot of anger. There was still a lot of uh, control, which was really the normal mentality for that time. The normal mentality for that time in America, especially, um, it, it was, you know, the, the woman stayed at home, that she made dinner, the man worked, uh, kids were to be seen, but not heard a lot of control, a lot of anger that that was norm. And then my mom's side, my mom's family was like actually extremely poor, um, seven kids in one room, but still the same mentality, um, a lot more in both families. There was a lot of um, physical abuse going on. But again, I want to express that that was the norm at the time. It was normal. The dad would come home and the children would get beat that for whatever they did wrong in the day. Right. That was how it was back then. So I, that's where I came from. On my mom's side of the family, there had been this notorious uh, trend of having children early. So my grandmother had my mother at 16, and my mother had me at 17, and I had my first child at 16. So I came from a childhood. <clears throat> um, my mother actually gave me and my brother up to my dad. My dad raised us. And my dad did the best that he could do with what he had. He was very angry, um, was very controlling. He also was an ex-Marine. So, um, you know, it was just, it was an environment that we were definitely, you know, to be seen, not heard. We were not to speak up. We were not to step out of line. You know, and so, of course, I end up, pregnant at 16. Right. And I, my, my mother, actually I had, what I had, what I did was, um, at 13, I basically decided that I was big enough. I had had enough of my dad and I ran away from my dad's house and I moved in with my mother. 
because, you know, I'm old enough to make my own decisions in life, <laughs> right? I know what I'm doing. And that didn't work well. So what happened was, is by that time, I was already angry. I was already this very angry teenager, very stubborn and angry. I, I knew the answers to life. So my mom kind of got me at the tail end of it where it was basically too late. Um, and uh, so I ended up, you know, within a couple of years, I ended up pregnant. And my mom actually forced me to get married at 15 years old. So I was forced to get married at 15. Um, but all through my childhood, I can say that as I went through that abusive childhood, I never liked it. I hated it. I couldn't stand the abuse. And, um, I just, it was very sad. It was just, I just wanted it to be different. And I knew that it wasn't right. So I think that in itself, um, was a main thing. Like I just always knew this was wrong. And then also being in an abusive environment where you never know when the abuse is coming, that set me up for the perfect school to be a psychic, right? Because I had to judge from a distance what was going to happen because I never knew what was going to happen. So that to me was like my perfect schooling. So when I mean that it wasn't a straight line, this is part of the not a straight line. I needed that abusive environment to develop these abilities. Now, could I have got them a different way? Sure, but apparently my soul didn't want to do it that way, right? So then my mom actually forced me to get married at 15. Um, she forced me to get married, and so my husband became my husband and my legal guardian until I turned 18. And he was an abusive alcoholic, which falls right in line with my story. <laughs> so I spent many a years suffering, just suffering with depression and low self-esteem and low self-worth and what is my purpose. And But when I got pregnant with my first daughter, I somehow made this decision that I was going to make her life different. I was going to make sure that she did not get pregnant at 16. It was not going to happen. And then I had my second child four days before I turned 17. So I had two children. My first two girls are 10 months apart. And then I had my third child at 21. So I had three girls, and then it took me 12 years. I was married 12 years, and it took me 12 years to finally wake up, to finally have the strength. Because when you are in that abusive cycle, it's the cycle, it's the wheel, right? You have this big blow up, and then there's this sad period, and then there's this makeup period, and you have this honeymoon, and then it starts over. Then we have a blow up. Then there's the, the, it's not the calm, it's like the depressive part. And then you guys start to make up and then you have a honeymoon period. I was caught in that for 12 years. All the while I'm fighting to raise my girls in a way to try to make sure that they don't end up doing the same thing I'm doing. I don't want them to end up pregnant at 16 and all of this, right? And that's really where my passion lied was it, it was in 
trying to save my girls from living the same fate. Unfortunately, I didn't do that all the way because now I didn't, um, I did that as far as, um, you know, I listened to my girls a lot better. I talked to them a lot better. I didn't physically abuse them. Um, but because I was in an abusive marriage, kids don't do what you say. They do what you do. Mm-hmm. I didn't fully save them, but I did make the generational jump. I did. There is a generational. So not all my girls, like um, my oldest daughter, she did get pregnant early, but it wasn't until she was 17. <laughs> so we saved it by one year. Uh, my other two actually were older, though. They were in their 20s. So um, and then I um, I had uh, two more children after that. So I have five. But so that is what I mean by it's kind of woven in. It's not a straight line. And I suffered for many, many years, many years of this depression. And that's also part of um, my my journey or my goal is because I myself suffered. So I know. I know what people are thinking. I know what they're feeling. I get it. And when I realized that I have this infinite worth, then it was like, everybody needs to know this. That was like the light bulb for me. Like, oh, if I could just show you that, then you can work off of that. That can become your base, and you can work off of that. And now you're on this soul healing journey. Now we've got the momentum. We can we can go forward. Yeah. It's an incredible story. So when did that infinite worth kick in for you? So was that mm. during, during the 12 no. years or post the 12 years? No, what happened at the end of the 12 years is somehow, some way, I finally just, I literally woke up one day and I just said, that's it. I'm, I'm just, you're, I finally realized that he was not going to change. It didn't matter what I did, he did. And it was still the, um, I was still fighting the being good enough. Mm-hmm. Right. So it didn't matter. And, and when you're in those abusive relationships, they're really good at manipulating you and making you think that you're not good enough and that it's your fault. Right. So I was still fighting that inner core belief as a child of I wasn't good enough. So some part of me was at fault for this. Some part of me, it was my fault. It, you know, I was I was bad or I was a bad wife or I was a bad cook or I was whatever. Um, and then one day I just kind of was like, it doesn't matter what I do. You're not going to stop. You're not going to change. And so I, uh, started the divorce proceedings and, um, then I, you know, I was a single mom of three girls was, uh, moving out, going out on my own. And then I had, I had got with another uh, man who is actually my current husband today. And um, while he's not abusive, he wasn't there emotionally, which also fits in line because when you come from abusive homes, those parents aren't there for you emotionally, mm-hmm. right? They're not. They can't be because they themselves are suffering. So that meant that I had to keep searching. I had to keep 
searching for the answer. That's what I was doing. So I, that's one of the reasons why I have like these hundred degrees that I have is because I was searching for the answer. Right. So I have like, I'm a Reiki master and I'm almost, I'm a, I'm a Deus energy healer. I'm also certified hypnotherapist. I'm a certified, uh, Acu- auricular acupuncturist because I kept f- trying to find the answer like where's the answer <laughs> right yep racking up all the all the certifications right. to be good all enough these, well that's part of it to be good enough and to be the perfectionist but I was also really what I was doing was I was trying to find the answer to my depression and I thought that the answer was in the next education it was in the next thing I would learn like I would find the answer there so after years of with my current husband um, and realizing that even though I had this family, I had these children, I had all these degrees, I had this house, I was still miserable. None of this matters. These degrees, all these are expensive piece of paper. They're just, what are they? They're nothing. You know, everybody, what's your degree? It's a $150 piece of paper plus how many student loans, but it means nothing. So I, I um, started going more into spiritual learning, just straight spiritual teachers in uh, learning. Uh, Wayne Dyer, uh, Abraham Hicks, uh, Tatino Masario, Masaro, Deepak, and Eckhart Tolle, and... What I found through that is that there is a part of you, inside of you, that is your soul, okay? And that is not, that's not your body. You think that you're this body that's going through this life, that's obtaining these degrees, these houses, these kids, the cars. But the true you is that soul, that essence in you. That's that part of you that wants to be happy and that part in there that's connected directly to source and that's where my worth lies it's not in this body it's not in these physical forms because like I said I have expensive pieces of paper those don't make me happy I have a master's degree for God's sakes that didn't bring me happiness Because it can't. What can make me happy is knowing that I have infinite worth to source. And that's where happiness lies. When you realize that you are not this body, that you are source. Which is actually what Jesus tried to teach us. Is he kept saying, ye are all gods. He kept saying that. And nobody understood what he was saying. He's saying, you are part of God. There is part of God within you. So the way I look at it now is if, if part of me is God inside here, for me to not have worth would be for me to say that God doesn't have worth. Is that possible for him to not have worth? You can call him God or source or spirit or whatever you want to call him. But if I am to say that I don't have worth and I am saying that there is part of God that doesn't have worth, that's not possible. And that's when the light bulb went off. That's when it was like, oh, okay. So one of the practices that I do is 
when, you know, things get rough or I have bad days of emotions because you're a human, you have emotions, you're, you're going to have days that you don't feel so great, right? Or your days that things, I, I stop and I remind myself, I am not this body, I am source. I am not this body, I am source. I remind myself that I have that infinite work, right? This body is temporary. But my connection to source and who I truly am is forever and it's, and it's infinite and it's, there, it's, there's no way for it to not have worth. So um, the other thing is that you have to be able to recognize, Deepak said it the best. He said, we are one emotion after another. But we, that's what we are. We literally have one emotion after the other. Just bam, bam, bam. Like either I'm happy or I'm content or I'm sad or I'm mad. And then back to contentment. He said, but we're walking around pretending we don't have any. And he said, and I just thought, well, isn't that true? You know? So these are the things, the light bulbs that turned on for me that I said, you know what? I can teach these to other people because I've been there. I have suffered from abuse. I've suffered from depression. I, I have actually been there. So I can relate this to other people. So that's my long story short. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> but it's that, like you said, the infinite worth, but it's dropping from what I'm visualizing is from mind to heart and therefore soul. Is that how it feels yeah. to you when you... Do you yes. use your mantra? Yeah. 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 It's learning that I had to learn that, you know, and and I think partly because, like I said, I have all these degrees. And, and at one point, what I did was I actually had them up on my wall in my room. I had all these degrees that I had acquired um, up on my wall and the in frames. And this was years ago, like 20 years ago. And I was laying in my bed. And I'm looking at these degrees and I'm thinking, I'm miserable. It will never, anything I can accomplish here will never be enough. If I am not happy inside, it does not matter. And it's the same for, you know, you look at people like um, Whitney Houston, Robin Williams. They could have hired a therapist to follow them around. Because these material things, and I know people hate that cliche of, oh, happiness comes from inside. It it truly does. Mm -hmm. It really does. Because money doesn't, does, money does make life easier, but it, it doesn't come from there. Really. The other thing is too, is, um, what I found was, uh, my mom died after my mom died. She died, uh, six years ago. And my mom was really spiritual. Um, she actually is the one who bought my tarot cards that I still use today. Um, and she, uh, so she believed in everything, almost too many things my mom believed in. Um, but after she died, what I did was I started studying, uh, NDEs, near death experiences. Oh yeah. Yep. And I mean, I listened to hundreds and hundreds of those videos of NDEs. And every single one of them, almost every single one of them is identical. And they all said that um, when they get to the other side, that there's only one emotion 
and that's love. And that they needed to understand that they have infinite word, that um, no one dies before their time, period. And that God doesn't judge us. So I kept hearing God doesn't judge us. God doesn't judge you. What happens is we get to the other side. We have a life review and we look at how well did we do in this lifetime according to the goal that we set up. And then we decide, did we accomplish that goal or do we need to still work on it? But God doesn't judge us. God just says, well, okay. Come back next time. Come back next time. <laughs> Try again. But you know what? I'm still here for you. Yeah. I still love you. Yeah. I still think you're awesome. There is no mistakes. So if there's no mistakes, then how can I be worthless? Yeah. It's a powerful message, isn't it? That was one of the other, like, oh, we have infinite worth. And that whole, there are no mistakes. There are only learnings and opportunities. And, and when things don't go as you plan, another path opens up and you just need to keep moving forward. It's that whole, yeah. a lot of people get stuck in, you mentioned before, perfectionism. Or oh, if I'm not going to do it perfectly, then I'm not going to do it at all. You're like, actually, that's just a block in your own mind and you're not actually down in your heart to then go, actually, I do want to do this thing and I'm going to go out and create what I want to create in the world. And yours is a perfect example of sharing your mission and your purpose even though COVID hit and everything just sort of went, you know, from a talk, you know, being on stage or um, a speaking perspective and getting in front of groups, that just all died. But then you went, oh, well, there's other ways to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And I still haven't figured it out. And I'm still not, I guess, where I would like to be per se. But what I've done is I've learned to accept that there is, it's a process. Mm-hmm. It's a journey. So I always say to my people is, um, you know, like you said, there, there's no necessarily right or wrong. It's a journey and it's a process of learning and evolving. And the faster you get to acceptance, the faster you have peace. Okay. Acceptance equals peace. Now, acceptance does not mean that you like it. That's Thank that's you for not a requirement, <laughs> right? Because we confuse acceptance with liking it. That doesn't mean you like it. That means you have accepted that your tire has already went flat. Yeah. It's already flat. You are not going to unflat it. Yes, <laughs> it is already flat. You are already going to be late. The faster you move to acceptance and say, okay, now what do I call AAA? Do I call my insurance? Now you can move to peace. The longer you're fighting the fact that the tire went flat, you can't have peace. Hmm. And I'm using a silly example, but it's it's the same. Yeah, it's the same. It doesn't matter what it is. Whether you've had, you know, your mother who's told you something that you kind of go, you're yeah. pushing against it and going, can you stop sharing 
from that perspective or stop, uh, you know, having a go at me, even if it's just a few words. It's the same thing. Yeah. My other favorite quote when it comes to that, and and I've used this um, when looking at myself and things that I've done in the past and things that I am, you know, not so happy about or, you know, those things that you would say, oh, if I could change them is my, one of my favorite quotes is, forgive them for they know not what they do. Hmm. Right? This is the quote that Jesus used. And to me, that is the ultimate unconditional love statement. Hmm. Because people truly don't know what they're doing. They are functioning off of their level of functioning, off of their base, Wherever that base, I didn't say you had to like their base. I said they're functioning off of that level. So you forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. They think that screaming at the cashier is the thing to do. That's how they get their power. They don't know a better way yet. That doesn't mean I like them to do it. doesn't mean they should do it. It means that they still think this is an acceptable behavior. That's where they're functioning at. And you stop taking it personally. Yeah. The Four Agreements talks about that. Miguel Ruiz. Oh, that is the most, that book literally changed my life. Yeah. Literally changed my life. Yeah. And I like to remember that everybody's doing the best they can in the moment. Like you said, they they know not what they do, but they believe that this is the best way um, or the way to effectively get what they need or what they want in that that moment so yeah um, yeah if we can remember that you can have some compassion well and I think Eckhart puts it the best with that um, and it really is true it doesn't mean that it's okay necessarily you know um, Mm -hmm. or they should but Eckhart in his example of you know uh, say you're driving down the road and somebody pulls out in front of you do you think that that person sat there and said, I'm going to wait for April to come. I'm not going to pull out until she gets here. And right when she gets here, I'm going to pull out in front of her. They don't know who you are. They just think they're most important. They just think they need to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they just do, right? Yeah. It's not about you. No, so it's about you me. Can, Right. If you can keep that in mind along with the fact that people are functioning at their level, mm-hmm. then you can have acceptance and peace. That's what creates that yeah. in life. And these are like the concepts that I find that I have to teach over and over and over. So to me, I don't know about your guys' education, but to me, our education system is hugely lacking in these concepts. Yeah. Yeah. They're more the life lessons. And if the parents haven't learned those life lessons, then like you said before, kids don't say what you say, they do what you do. So kids are going to, you know, ref- do exactly what you've done. And the examples of pulling out on people or the yelling at people and abusing people in cars, um, whether it be at the cash register or whatever, children are an example of us and they're a reflection of us. So if the parents haven't made those changes, no matter, like there are amazing teachers out there that do try and do set beautiful examples and um, and create spaces, safe spaces for kids. There are some that aren't as good at that, um, but at yeah. the same time, it's really the responsibility of the parents because 
that's where our emotional well-being comes from. That's where we learn to manage our emotions through our parents, not through other people, um, until we get to a point where we can do it ourselves, if that's ever possible. Yeah, and that's the key too is um, with me, one of the keys also was that I realized that my parents just weren't good at it. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Yeah. I didn't have to continue to be damaged just because they were not good at it. I have the power to make that difference. I have the power to make a different choice. At some point you have to say, okay, well, yeah, my parents, you know, what I tell people is um, there are a lot of supervisors in this world, CEOs, business owners that shouldn't be, but they have that title. Mom and dad have that title, but that doesn't mean that they should have been mom and dad. They just got that title. That doesn't mean they're really good at the job. They might be okay at the job. They might be so-so, right? Or some are great. Some are just not so good. That's okay. So if you have a bad boss, does that mean that you just be a bad employee? Or do you go and you do your best? And you have that power to do that. You have that power to make that change within yourself. You have the power to realize I can make a change just because my parents, because I hear it's so phenomenal to me when I hear this. Well, that's how my parents did it. And I will say, so that, what does that mean? And I thought that too, for a long time. And I don't mean that uncaringly. I, I thought for a long time because my mother would be like, you know, you can't go to bed with all with a dish in the sink. What? Right. So I had to have everything perfect and the counters done. And, and then finally I realized, guess what? I don't know if you know this or not, but the world doesn't blow up if there's a pan in your sink. (laughs) It's okay. Exactly. It's really Um, okay. Yeah. (laughs) So, but I mean, to my mother, it was not, there was a point where my mother even ironed her underwear because everything had to be so perfect. And I just thought, that's so much stress, is it? Like, that's so much stress. It's okay. The world will not blow up. It's, it's all right. Yes. You know, Your but it's world easy. blow up. <laughs> right? <laughs> but you have to ease yourself. Um, but some people, they don't even know that that's an option, and you have to introduce that option to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to say, you, you know, it is an option to not make your bed in the morning. That's an option, right? And it's an option to to learn to be okay with a couple plates being left in the sink. That's okay. Mm-hmm. We don't have to be perfect. And guess what? We're still good enough just because we left a couple plates. Yeah. So, and you know, you would think that that's a simple thing, but actually that is a very common thing that um, we have to work on with people. Yeah. A lot. It's, a, it's a mindset shift for people. And I like to call, I like to talk to my clients about dropping the balls. Like what if you just drop them all? Like, could you still turn up in the world how you want to turn up? Well, the answer is yes. Just because you didn't pick up the finance ball today and do the do the adulting things in the finance world doesn't mean that you're a bad person. Just means you might do it tomorrow or next week or whatever. Or you just start to shift and change things rather than having everything so perfect um, and yeah. trying to juggle all these balls. Uh, there was a really good, um, I can't remember what I was listening to, but it talked about the fact that this woman was really struggling with mental health and the psychiatrist or therapist said to her at the time, what's one thing that you're struggling with? And she said, well, 
The dishes, I have to wash them before they go in the dishwasher because they're just a mess. Otherwise, they just pile up and I just never get to them, blah, blah, blah. And he said, put them through the dishwasher twice. And she went, what? <laughs> like, and she was blown away. And he goes, well, put them through three times if it doesn't, doesn't get them clean. Like, just do what you need to do and then you don't have to do the dishes. And she was like, it was like her mind was completely blown by the fact that she could change the rules. She could find other right. ways to do them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we live by these. And I think that, you know, perhaps for the lifetime or the period that, that all of this originated, maybe it was needed, probably not, but, you know, um, 50s, 60s, even, you know, maybe all this was needed and necessary. But I also think that many people um, were unhappy. Mm-hmm. So, and it's not about avoiding your responsibilities. It's about finding that balance to where we do them but we're still happy, right? Yeah. And creating that new paradigm. Yeah. So, but yeah, this is, um, I, I don't know. It's, I, I love my job. I'm looking forward to the day that, you know, perhaps we don't need all of this assistance, but um, at the same time, I love my job. So, <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I wish that I could teach everybody that it's okay. Yeah. All these rules and all these regulations are not needed. Mm-hmm. It, and it's more about the self-talk too. Because see, what happens is, and you know this, is, um, and it happens at a very young age too, is we pick up where our parents leave off. And, we, and it's not even where they leave off because actually four, five, six years old, we pick up, you know, uh, their criticism, their we're not good enough. Um, and we start doing it to ourselves. We start replaying that tape, you know, um, but then we certainly continue it. 20, 30, 40 years old, we're still playing that same tape. You know, we pick up where our parents leave off. So yeah, the self-talk is crucial. Absolutely, 100%. And that's the biggest thing that people have to start to, well, have the opportunity to start to change. And they can do that within themselves. Like they don't need anybody else to help them. You can go and see therapists and you can go and see coaches and all the things if, you, if that's not something that you, you're, you know, good at doing by yourself. But um, yeah. just, just saying I love you, one of the hardest things for people to say to themselves, look yourself in the mirror and say I love you. And start mm-hmm. from there and see, it, you know, the first day you might like look in the mirror and run the other way. Like, I love it, <laughs> drop it and run. But slowly over time, yeah. you'll start yeah. to build up a relationship with yourself. And I yeah. think that's really critical for people to do. Something, it is. Yeah, something I just want to touch back on a couple of points that you made. Um, Tony Robbins talks about it as blaming elegantly. So you could have sat in your victimhood of, of everything that had happened to you, but you look back at your journey and go, that was what was required for me in this lifetime to bring out my psychic medium abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you also talked about um, the physical abuse being normal at that time. And I think one of the challenges we have today is that people um, are looking back on their lives and going, well, that should never have happened. Um, and now I want retribution for that. And maybe that's appropriate. But is that still sitting back in victimhood when you when you go back that far, or is it and not yeah. accepting where you are now? So there's a couple things um, on that. So one is um, 
I truly, truly wanted to heal. Um, I really wanted to heal and I wanted to find happiness. And when you give yourself that permission first, that I want to heal, I want to find happiness, you start seeking. And in order to, to really accomplish that, you have to have someone of an open mind. You have to be willing to drop some old beliefs. Many people, um, you know, they want happiness. They, they want to be happy, but they're not willing to drop some of these old beliefs. And I think that's one of the keys. And I understand that it's hard and that it's scary. And, and it was for me too. Um, but that's how bad I wanted it. Mm-hmm. I wanted it so badly. I just wanted to find happiness. Um, so being willing to drop some of these old beliefs. And then what I found was that um, when I, the more I realized that my parents, it's not that my parents didn't love me. They loved me. They just loved me to their ability. And they loved me to their conditioning and to their dogma and their rules and what they thought was right. But they loved me. I, I love, I still like my dad. I love my dad and I have tremendous respect for my dad. I really do. And I understand that he just came from a time era where that's how it was. But my dad truly loves me. Okay. And so I can forgive him for whatever that happened with that unconditional love as I realized that he just wasn't well and he wasn't healed. So that's all he was capable of. So it's kind of like, you know, you go down to the corner store and they sell fruit and you go in there and you say, "How well, I want to buy some shirts. And they we don't have shirts. Well, I want some shirts. Well, we don't sell shirts here. So then you go the next day. It's a fruit store. I'd like to buy some shirts. Ma'am, we don't have shirts here. You, you're, you keep going back to the same place. They don't have what you're asking for. That's all they have. That's all my dad has. His being, his soul, for whatever reason, is just not capable of giving me shirts. I'm, and you know what? I'm okay with that. So it's also learning to be okay with their level of love. Yeah. And knowing that it's and not th- a reflection of yours, your ability. It's to not love. a reflection of me. Right. Yeah. It's not. And um, so that was, that was one of the things. And um, the other part of it is, is actually, this is, it's a book that I actually, I keep wanting to write, believe it or not, even with all those degrees, I really cannot write. <laughs> I'm the worst writer in the world. But it's called flipping it. It's called um, where you take the, you flip it. You find the good, the blessings in the bad. And if you can find the blessings in the bad, then you can heal. And my dad and my ex-husband, they are my angels in disguise. They are. Because if it wasn't for them, I would not be who I am. I wouldn't know what I know. I wouldn't be able to connect to people like I do. And I wouldn't be on this mission that I'm on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you can find the blessings in disguise, 
you can heal. Yeah. And they're there for everybody. You, it's it's not yes. easy work. I wouldn't say that it is easy at any stage. But Mm-mm. being open, listening to your soul, is that kind of the journey that people go on to be able to see the, yes. the blessings? Yeah. You can't understand it from the human perspective. Mm-hmm. From the human perspective, you hate everybody. You want to get back at everybody. Everybody should go to jail. Everybody should have the death penalty. You can't do it from the human perspective. You have to do it from the soul perspective. And the problem with the soul perspective is when you're on the other side and you decide you're going to come down into this life and the in this life, they go, oh, some stuff's going to happen. The soul goes, oh, it's all good. You're just going to come back here anyways. It's great. It's just love over there. There's only one emotion. It's love. So the soul's like, it's okay. And you get down here and you're like, what? the heck is going on (laughs) right that's the problem but on the other side it doesn't so when you can start to look at it through the soul perspective and see the bigger picture and the purpose and the meaning that that doesn't mean that I don't have days or haven't had days where I'm like um seriously like what is the point of this I have had those days Mm -hmm. but I don't stay in the I don't stay there because I know that there's a grander purpose. I know there's a reason for this. There is a reason. And if you can just hang on to the fact that there is a reason. So there's a lady that I talked to recently that had um, an incident happen in her past that um, actually this lady I talked to a while ago um, where um, she was uh, um, like sexually wasn't like, a really bad sexual experience, but it was a little bit of a sexual experience where she was, you know, offended. Um, but it was the ones that were not, I guess, so severe. Um, and she had been holding it and hiding. It. And when I started talking to her and taking her through this experience and saying, so now tell me about your life and tell me how you think this affected you in your life. What we found was that Because of that, and I'm not saying that you need to have this, and I'm not saying it's a good thing, but I am saying that if you can find the blessings. So what she did was, because that had happened to her, she was more sensitive to it being present in other people's lives. So she actually caught it in a friend's child's life. One of her friends, she caught it in that child, and she told her friend, yeah. something's going on and she actually saved that kid. Wow. Okay. That's what I mean. I'm not saying it's good, but I'm saying it's there. We flipped it. There's a purpose. There's a reason. Mm-hmm. Right. And because of that, and that actually happened a few times in her life. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's where I, what I mean by there's a reason. There's a purpose. There's a soul mission. You have to look at it from the soul perspective. So when we found those things, And then also, like, she was extra careful with her children so it didn't happen. And, you know, just other things like this. What she did then was she was able to put that at rest and forgive and heal that. Because now she could feel the wholeness of it. She could feel the love in it. She could see that it actually was a blessing to some other people. Yeah. Right? It saved other people. I'm going to have to record that piece and just listen to that over and over. It's a, 
I thought that was beautiful. Um, and it's so true for, for everybody that we have this opportunity to take on the lessons that we've learned, flip it, see the blessings in it, and then um, create this, you know, flow-on effect out into the world. I often talk about um, self-love has so, been so important to me and by doing that work for myself, it's had a, had a ripple effect within my immediate family and, and beyond um, just doing the work that I've done. And that's not because I've pushed it on anybody. It's just naturally grown. Um, and so that's one aspect where you can just do this work on yourself and, and love yourself unconditionally and there will be a natural flow and effect even if you don't run a business or have a message to put out in the world, you can just be you and that still has an, has an effect on where you're at um, in your space. So thank you for yeah. sharing that. Absolutely. I think you've touched on this already, but I would really love to ask the question, is who have you become because of this journey that you've been on? Well, if you ask my kids, they say that I'm an angel. Oh. <laughs> I'm a fairy angel. And days where maybe I'm not so, you know, angelish or kind or caring or loving, they'll say to me, um, they have a saying, they'll be like, Mom, where's your wings right now? And I'll be like, I don't have any wings right now. <laughs> um, so they, no, they, they do. They seriously think I'm an angel. Um, and they say that I have these big giant wings. Um, but really, I mean, honestly, just like a, a normal person, I'm a mom, I'm a wife. Uh, I do work as a counselor for a living. Um, I am, you know, I do a lot of healing uh, for a lot of people. So, um, but I think that uh, it, I do have a, a purpose. I do think that. And I do think that my purpose is in spreading this message as, as much as I can. Um, but as far as, you know, who am I as a person, I'm honestly, I'm just a normal person, really. I feel like I'm a normal person, but I don't know. Other people might think different. <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, I love that um, your kids call you an angel. They do. And they, they tell me, especially my older daughter, like if I'm, if something upsets me and I, I don't get upset, like really angry. Um, like I used to have a lot of fire because of the life that I lived. Um, so if I do get upset about something, I'll be like, Mom, where's your wings? <laughs> Test awesome. them off. <laughs> I think we could all use that. And, yeah. And I always say to them, you know, um, or my oldest daughter will tell me too, she's like, Mom, I don't have wings. And I'll, it's always like I'm trying to put my wings on somebody else. Yeah. Like, here, take these. Because I guess my mantra is, um, according to my girls, is uh, um, number one, to never give up, mm. to keep going, to keep trying. And um, it's interesting that they say that because when my uh, brother uh, committed suicide, that was the one phrase that I kept repeating to myself was keep going, keep going, just two words, keep going. And it just, it just helped me. And then my other uh, mantra or phrase is, um, is unconditional love. Mm. To me, unconditional love is, is the key. It's the answer to the world. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the things that the world is still working on. Um, and we're working on acceptance and we're working on unconditional love. 
And that's why a lot of many of the changes that are happening are happening because um, that's what we're supposed to be learning is unconditional love. I mean, you can tell me like a couple of years ago, I would never have been talking to somebody in Australia right now. It, this is part of the, this is us coming together as one, as unconditionally. Yeah. Yeah. I heard recently that our soul likes questions. It doesn't necessarily, the human mind needs affirmations more, but the soul is, is likes questions. So things like, um, how can I be more loving towards myself today? Like actually asking and, and letting that sit into our bodies and into our souls and then seeing what re- resonates. Have you used that at all? Yeah, well, and like with the affirmations or um, the mind, so the mind plays, plays a part in that because uh, I have some background in NLP. So the mind has, um, the mind likes to find answers. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you ask the mind a question like, what would it be like for me to have a million dollars? The mind goes and it seeks out the answer. It wants the answer. So and but the soul is part of God, the whole which I don't have the full answer yet. And it's part of the one of the things that I'm searching for is why are we here? Why did we do this in the first place? Right. <laughs> um I'm still in search of that answer, but what I have gathered so far is the soul, the reason why asking the soul questions uh, works is because source, God, consciousness is forever expansive. Mm -hmm. It wants to always grow and learn. And that's why asking the soul questions works. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, because it always wants to seek and to grow and to find and to expand. But the part that we're missing as the human part is we, we turn that into a selfish nature as, as like how much I could get or obtain, but really it was supposed to be meant to include all everything. Yeah. Yeah. That evolution. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So much goodness in this conversation. Thank you. I was just thinking about some other things we would talk about, but we might need to do a part two at some point. Um, sure. What um, is there anything else you'd like to add before we just change tact? Um, the only thing uh, I can think of is um, I just want everybody to know that you have innate worth and it is not tied to what you do. Okay. And it's kind of the old phrase of, and I'm not necessarily religious, but I am spiritual and I do believe in God or source. So you can't get to heaven through works, right? You can't do enough to get there. It's not about doing, it's more about being, and you don't have to do anything to be worthy. So the example that I use, everybody can kind of resonate with this is, Let's say you had a fully functioning family member. They're like really productive part of the family. They worked all the time. Maybe they had a business and then they all of a sudden became disabled. They're on a bed. They have to be fed. They can't get up. Do they have less worth? They do not. They have the same worth. You don't have to do anything to be worthy. That is the bottom core. You don't have to do anything to be worthy. You still have work. What you do is your purpose. That's different. That's not your work. 
So you have innate worth. That's what I want everybody to learn to know. Yeah. And I think that's what everybody can take out of this podcast today is just practice um, that belief that you are worthy and go out and just be worthy out in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me what's one thing that you do for self-love? Well, um, I actually, I haven't been very good at self-love my whole life. Um, One, because I didn't have a whole lot of self-esteem, but two, because I was a single mom for many years um, and I was going to school and working and taking care of kids. And so I've actually had to learn that. (laughs) I've had to make myself do that. And um, I'm one person that I have legitly put my children first. Um, I put my children first before a job. Um, That is just me. And that may not have always been the best choice. So I have, um, I've started to uh, go and get things like weekly massages. Um, I do, even though I do it while I'm folding towels or perhaps doing dishes, I listen to a lot of spiritual teachers, a lot. That is one of my like favorite things to do. Um, I've been taking more baths. I've been, you know, just allowing myself permission to have some of my own time and learning. Uh, you know, I taught myself to, um, it's okay for me to sit and watch a TV show and do nothing. I can do that. Um, so those are some ways that I've, you know, been treating myself, taking those timeouts. Yeah. yeah, I love them. And, you know, like you said, just sitting and watching TV and just watching TV, that's a, that's a really good gift to give yourself because, yeah. like, I know me, I will sit there and it will be on in the background but I'll be doing other things and then I'm just yeah. back to learning the <laughs> art of just sitting Right. Well, I have a daughter who loves to watch movies. So, um, and you know, she's still in my home. And so, um, I've come to really enjoy just sitting and watching movies with her, even though we're watching it for the fourth time and allowing myself to do that and, you know, not be also working or, Mm -hmm. you know, at the same time overproducing. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. (laughs) Doing, being doing mode as opposed to being. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Well, thank you so much for this conversation today. It's been amazing and I really appreciate your time. I'm I'm personally going to order your book as soon as it comes out. Clearly, it's you'll let me know when that happens, but maybe you need to put yeah. those girls to work for you. You you do the verbal and then they can do the writing for you and get it done. But thank yeah, you. Yeah, I need to do that. Yes. Yeah, I think it would be I think it would be incredible and your insight into that space would be amazing. So thank you so much and thank you for the work that you're doing in the world and thank you for this conversation today. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today and I have a couple of small favors to ask. If you love this episode, please share it with someone you love and you know the episode will resonate with. Also, to help spread the word about my podcast, please head over to iTunes and leave me a review. I love hearing your thoughts about my podcast and what's resonating with you. Plus, it helps us share my podcast with the rest of the world, which is amazing. Finally, thank you so much for being here. I'm super grateful for you and I'm truly honored you've spent your time with me. Let's keep rising. Let's keep growing because it's totally possible to live a life you love every day right where you are. See you in the next episode.